And we are off and running on another edition of What's the Spread. Miles on course here, Mr. Brad Thomas. It is time for week two college football action. The NFL is starting up this week, but man, what a great Labor Day weekend of college football that we had. Yeah, dude. Uh, I will tell you this. I was not physically prepared to start drinking at 12, stay up all the way through the Alabama game, and feel like I was going to be fine the next day to go tailgate. Obviously, I made it work because I'm an adult. But <laughs> let's just say Monday I did a lot, a lot, a lot of sleep. Yeah, it's all about training the bodies again, uh, honestly, yeah. to to get ready. Because, I mean, especially here when I'm on Central Time and I got games on college football starting at 11 a.m. Oh. And I'm trying to figure out when to crack the first beer. I made it a couple <laughs> hours. I was pretty proud of myself. Made it to like 1 o'clock and then I was like, all right, what the what the fuck? Like, you were like, you were like, I'm a few dog. beers deep. You're like, I'm a few beers deep, and I'm like, shit, I gotta catch up. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a great day, uh, great weekend of college football. Not a ton of surprises, but we'll get in today to some of the top stories. Um, and when I say top stories, I'm talking about Deion Sanders in Colorado. Yeah. Um, so can't wait to get to that. But let's start with really the game that we all had circled on our calendars when the year began. We got. A rematch, Texas at Alabama. Bama opened as eight-and-a-half-point favorites here, but they are sitting at minus seven. Mr. Roll Tide, I will let you start. Yeah, I think that uh, the general consensus was eight points was too many, but it never felt like eight points was so many to the point where people were running to the window to bet Texas to win. Um, Personally, I will probably bet Alabama minus seven. I'm hoping I get a a six-and-a-half. And I don't want to sit here and say I'm the person or I'm a believer of they didn't want to show anything week one. I think that Texas did not look good against Rice. I know they didn't have to play hard against Rice, but you can't tell me Steve Sarkeesian was happy with the effort that they gave against Rice. In the Steve Sarkeesian era, and this even happened before he he got to Texas, they were terrible on the road. He is 0-3 against the spread as a road dog. Uh, one and four as against the spread as a dog. And my biggest issue when they play Alabama is going to be the physicality of that offensive line. Miles, I, I will tell you, I, I, I wasn't expecting this offensive line to be this big and this physical. I heard rumblings like, man, biggest offensive line we ever had, but they are controlling the trenches. And, and like, what I mean, they like controlling the trenches. We play Middle Tennessee State, so I'm not getting carried away, but I mean, like, even when they're practicing, you can see these are some. Freaking hog mollies down there. When that happens, I just think that it makes life easier for the running game, makes life easier from Jalen Monroe. There's all this talk that Jalen Monroe uh, struggled with finding that second read, but I think they simplified the offense so much, especially running 12 personnel, where they made it simple, where you only had to go that first read. First read or take off. First or second read and take off. It'll be interesting to see what Texas does because last year they destroy us with Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. They don't have those guys now. So all of their explosive plays will most likely have to come through the air, um, which kind of leads me to another bet that I'm going to take. The line's not available, but I did see uh, it on prize picks. So I know it would be around this number. Adonai Mitchell over 44 and a half receiving yards, Texas wide receiver, because I think that Xavier Worthy is going to be shadowed by the number one cornerback in the country in Kool-Aid McChristie. It's going to put a lot of – I think Sarkis is just so smart where it's either going to take a lot of creativity or he's just not going to go and test Kool-Aid all game because 
if you want to believe in your superstar quarterback and your really elite wide receiver core, you're going to find playmakers uh, elsewhere on the field. Well, going back to last year's game, Texas really came out and surprised everybody. They were, they were nearly 20-point underdogs in that game and and nearly had the win. I remember that I took Bama uh, in that game last year because uh, I didn't have any faith in Texas, but they but they really surprised a lot of people. Ewers really came out in that game. Like, yes, they, they did very well with the offensive line. They had the one-two punch uh, of Robinson and Johnson, but Ewers was coming out zipping the ball in that game before he went down with injury. Um, and my question is, which Quinn Ewers do we see? It's not that he looked True. terrible against Rice last week, but to your point, Alabama with Middle Tennessee State against Texas with Rice, Bama looks like the much more complete and prepared team in that game. And apologies to Jalen Milrow. I know it was just one game, but uh, impressive performance. And, and he's electric with his legs, man. Wow. Um, which I knew and I remembered, you know, we were at the Texas A&M game last year yep. where he started, and we definitely saw that, but he just looked he looked like a different quarterback than the one that I saw play in that A&M game, much more comfortable with the offense and confident. And again, this will come up a lot this week because of week one performances, but I'm with you. I never buy into the they don't want to show too much or they don't want to show too little. You look how you look in week one. I mean – Look at Ohio State. Like this, this is why I'm I'm never gonna be one to ever make excuses for my football team because it doesn't matter. You come out week one ready to play, and this is not a situation where oh well they didn't want to show anything and he wasn't yeah. ready. No, if you look good, you look good. If you look bad, you look bad. And then you get to games like this where there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. Um, having said that. I've thought about this game a lot, but I'm going to go ahead and ride the points here. Texas plus seven. I would rather have seven and a half or eight, but I just can't imagine that this is not going to be a close game. I, I I really don't see a Bama blowout here with the amount of talent that is on the Texas side right now. I'm nervous because, again, I don't think Texas looked very good against Rice last week. Um, but you know they're looking ahead to the Bama game. Bama didn't look ahead because they looked great. And that Bama team that I saw last week looked like a much better team than we saw last year. So, a lot better. They, they may have taken a step back at quarterback because Bryce Young is Bryce Young. But overall, I think it is a much more complete team. Um, I do think that they looked like a better team than Texas. But again, I can't imagine this game not being close. So I like the Longhorns here with the points. Yeah, you said Alabama looked like a better team. And I don't even really care about the play on the field. It was the discipline. Um, Alabama was one of the most penalized teams last year, even against the lower caliber teams we played last year, last week, no, no flags on offense, two on defense. Um, and one of them you could live with. Those are the kind of things that keep you in the game. Uh, we will, we will find out very quickly, which one of these teams are contenders and which one of them are pretenders. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be apparent after the first quarter. We'll see which yeah. team comes ready to play. It's tough, man, uh, for Texas having to go to Tuscaloosa. All right. Let's go ahead and over to the biggest story in college football. One of the biggest stories in college football that I can remember, but Coach Prime is taking this sport by storm. We yes. got an old-fashioned Big 12 battle, Nebraska at Colorado. Colorado is minus three, but if you would have taken this line three months ago, you'd be looking at Nebraska minus eight, which is just wild to think about. And I got to tell you, speaking of starting games at 11 a.m., that Colorado TCU game was one of the most fun, so fun. three hours I've ever had. I, waiting so long for college football to be back. And then to be blessed with Gus Johnson and Joe Klatt in that Colorado TCU game. I mean, I was flying 
it, it was incredible. And to, I've seen a lot of people make points about Colorado of even if they are overhyped a little bit, it will not take away from how improbable that week one performance was ever. Yeah. And, and, and even if TCU is not the team that we thought, and I don't think TCU is a top 25 team. I don't think they're the 17th ranked team in the country, uh, but they, they were still six, seven months removed from a national championship appearance. What Colorado did was absolutely insane. Um, and, and I wanted to fade the public here. This is one of the most popular bets of the weekend, including the NFL. There's more <laughs> bets on Colorado minus three than there are on any spread bets in the NFL. Uh, but but one simply thing amazing, that, right? In, 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 incredible. I'm going to ride the public here, and I'm I'm going to go with what my eyes have seen. Uh, with Colorado and the fact that Nebraska, I just thought, looked awful uh, in that Thursday night game against Minnesota. I thought Jeff Sims, he threw three picks. Um, I thought he was relying on his legs too much. It's just these two teams look polar opposite right now. Colorado's at home. And one more point, the Sharps are also on Colorado minus three. That made me feel a little bit better. So as much as I want to fade this and ride Nebraska plus three, I really think Colorado's going to show out here. This was a fun handicap for me. I had I had honestly had no intentions of betting the side or the total in this game. And then I started started breaking it down a lot. Um so let me get into a couple of things here. That Nebraska team uh last week played absolutely phenomenal, minus the three interceptions by Jeff Sims. They controlled the line of scrimmage against a team that I thought was gonna have a bigger and better line than them. They ran the ball efficiently. The only thing that was missing, obviously, were the non-turnover worthy throws. I start to think to myself, when it comes to value, am I going to pass up on the value of getting Nebraska plus three when the line opened up at seven? Uh, It opened up at seven and a half. They reposted the line at Colorado minus one and a half, and now it's settled around minus three. When I was breaking down this game, let's talk about Colorado and what they did wrong. You, You highlighted what they did right, and I am not taking anything anything away from what they did but let's talk about if they are if there are holes inside uh of of their performance uh they allowed 541 yards more importantly they allowed 262 rushing yards in a game that where they allowed 262 rushing yards they have to now bring that momentum and improve against a team who's going to run the ball with uh with, with matt satterfield as their offensive coordinator they're going to want to run the ball as much as possible Sanders did good. Uh, 15 for 14, excuse me, 14 for 15 play action. Uh, only one turnover worthy pass all game with an A dot of 6.9. Where I get afraid for Sanders in this game is he was pressured 34%, 35% of the time uh, against TCU, and that's a bad, a bad D line. He didn't get sacked because uh, obviously he's, he's mobile enough to move around the pack, pocket, but I think this Nebraska team's going to be able to get to the quarterback. What Nebraska needs to do is to make sure that their quarterback does not lose them the game. When you compare the two quarterback performances, and I know I know that Sims had a much more difficult uh, situation, but Sims had an average offensive PFF grade of 53.5, whereas an average offensive PFF uh, grade of 86.4 for Shadur Sanders. Sims lost it anytime they were through the air. He threw three total turnover worthy balls and one of his two of his interceptions came from a clean pocket. 
But I just think that if they continue to keep simplifying this game, they lean on Colorado, they are going to win. If not win, it's going to be a late score uh, from, from one of these teams. I'm going to take the points here just because I think that getting 11 and a half points of value from the opening line, it's an opening line too that it's not like we thought Nebraska was worse than what they were at the beginning. Of the I think they looked better than what I expected them to look. So for me, I'm just taking the value here. It's one of those bets where if I lose it, Miles, like, you know, I'm just going to wash my hands of it and say, congratulations, Deion Sanders, you are alive and well. But I just think that this team is going to be able to run on them a lot, and that's going to really establish dominance early in that game. The only thing that I would say against that is I I just don't think that you can argue that Jeff Sims had a harder situation than Sanders, you know, because Sanders was also on the road. Maybe the TCU defense isn't as good as the Minnesota defense. I don't know. I, I don't think very highly of Minnesota. Um, but Sanders just looked night and day different in that system uh, and with his players than what Jeff Sims did uh, for Nebraska. 100%. This is me. And it was being, surprising. This is, this is me being the most nervous fan, not fan, better, betting on Jeff Sims. Because if you were to put two quarterbacks on the exact same team, and I would take Sadur Sanders 10 million times out of 10 million times. Easiest cash in this game will be Jeff Sims over rushing yards. Yes, uh, it's at 56 and a half, uh, 65 and a half. I've already locked that in. I'll locked it, it in, didn't even, didn't even think twice about it. All right, let's go ahead and move over uh, to another team that uh, is a very quiet 2-0. Uh, Notre Dame going on the road at NC State. Notre Dame is a seven-point favorite here. Uh, you picked this one. Brad, who do you like? I like Notre Dame. Notre Dame outscoring their opponents 98-6. to in their first two games, yes, they played uh, Tennessee Martin. Yes, they played Navy. But it's not about the scores. It's about how they did it. They ran the ball well. They do, They probably will win Joe Moore uh, Award or be second or third place with the best offensive line in the country. And what's great about this Notre Dame team, if they didn't go into the portal and get Sam Hartman, it would be the Audric SMA show loaded box every single game. You can't do that against this team because you have Sam Hartman, who is so brilliant through the air. I think that this uh, uh, North Carolina State team's in trouble. Why? So North Carolina State brings in Robert and I, and uh, they're supposed to have be so explosive, right? They're supposed to be so explosive, um, play high tempo, score all these points. And then last week they weren't doing that. In his press conference, they asked him, what was one thing you want to change from week over week? And he said, I want to be more explosive. And I don't think Brandon Armstrong is the answer. Now we have to – let's say this game gets into a shootout. Now it's Hartman versus Armstrong. But also throw in the wrinkle of Estime because last week, UConn averaged six yards per carry. Uh, North Carolina State gave up 174 rushing yards. To UConn. To UConn. It's going to be very tough task. I did lock in Estime over 77 and a half rushing yards. I would play that all the way up to 90. Um, I think he gets 90-plus. I'm backing Notre Dame uh, five and two against the spread as road favorites of a touchdown or more. This is going to be that game where people are like, wow, should we really be talking about Notre Dame in the national championship conversation? Yeah, this will be one of my most heavily bet games of the day. I, I am also on Notre Dame minus seven here. And, it, and again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. You look how you look in week one against these teams and Notre Dame has looked good. I don't care that it was Navy. I don't care yep. that it was Tennessee State. They gave up six combined points total. They're clicking on both sides of the ball. This looks like a completely different Notre Dame team than the one we saw a year ago 
uh, after that loss to Ohio State, because granted they played a really good game against Ohio State, then they kind of went downhill. But this is a little bit different because they've got three cupcake. Well, I, w- I wouldn't call NC State a cupcake, but <laughs> they've got a much easier schedule before they play Ohio State this year. Yeah. It gives them a little bit of time to build it up. But, Brad, we, we said this in our uh, offseason previews. Sam Hartman is that X factor. Yes. And going back to the Ohio State game and seeing Kyle McCord in his first start, it just reminded me again Milrow already having – well, McCord had a start under his belt. But Milrow literally had a start last year yeah. uh, in a game against uh, Texas A&M. He had meaningful snaps. So it just reminded me how important that experience is. And not only does Notre Dame have that at quarterback, but it's talented experience. And Sam yes. Hartman is balling. And my man is a doll right now for Notre Dame. Six touchdowns, zero interceptions. I've just got experience in all caps here on my notes. Um, I'm really high on Notre Dame. And – I, I don't know what the line is yet or if there is a line for the Notre Dame-Ohio State game, but if Notre Dame is a dog in that game, I would take Notre Dame right now yeah. um, based on the way that these teams have looked up to this point, uh, especially considering that for Ohio State over these next two weeks, we're not they play nobody, so we're just not going to know. Um, Notre Dame's tough, man. And tough. They, they were doubted last year. They, they finished strong. Um, I think they're going in the right direction. I do. It's nice. It's very nice to see Sam Hartman get out of that mesh into a pro-style offense because I was worried that he'd be turning the ball over too much. But I just think that mesh made it way more chaotic. He felt like he had to do too much. Pro-style offense with good linemen, good running back. It makes like And a good running game, right? I mean, that's that's a difference. Not to say that Wake Forest didn't have good running backs, but Hartman, he was the offense for Wake Forest. He was a team. But Notre Dame's got a really good offensive line. They got a really good running game, and it's working right now. Um, And that's going to be the key for them in games like this when they're going on the road against a tough opponent. Yeah. Um, but And then even looking at the other side, I mean, NC State, 24-14 win over UConn last week. Uh, they they were down early, had to come back just to win it. Man. So I'll take the Irish. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up with a team that nobody is talking about, by the way, <laughs> who I feel like nobody could stop talking about last year, and that is the Texas A&M uh, Aggies. They are minus four. At Miami, and Miami, let's say it again, Brad. I do this every year. Get your own damn stadium. And yes. You should probably just make your on-campus stadium seven, 8,000 fans because nobody yeah. comes to watch a Miami game. They are giving away tickets. I can buy one you free. Right God. It is an embarrassment to college football, and it's an embarrassment to the once mighty Miami program. Uh, will they ever be back? I have no idea. But here's the thing, Brad. I'm going Texas A&M minus four, but I am not 100% on this. Um, I I would not blame anybody for going to the other side here and taking the points with Miami. But Texas A&M, Connor Weigman really settled into that game last week. Uh, The Texas A&M offense looks a lot different. Again, you look how you look. Yes, it was New Mexico, but A&M very quiet. No pressure this year. That's the thing, man. No pressure. No pressure. No expectations. They're sitting at number 23 in the AP poll. They get a nice, I think it was like a 52 to 10 win last week. Um, and on the other side of the ball, Miami looked fine against Miami, Ohio. Tyler Van Dyke looked fine. Um, I think AM's going to sneak up on some people, man. I, I mean, we, we've been waiting for their recruiting and for everything to catch up to them. I'm not calling an SEC West title here or anything. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
and looked pretty good. My my last point here in the big stat that I saw, Miami in their last 12 games dating back to last year, they are 2-10 against the spread in their last 12 games Crazy. dating back to last year. No thanks. I'll take AM. Miles, this one was a such a tough handicap for me because I wanted to take Miami initially. I'm as bad as the Texas AM offensive line looked to such a bad opponent. I was like, man, Miami's gonna get there, they're gonna be disruptors. Um, but then I started pulling a little bit more on the, what Texas AM did. Texas AM uh had a 29% havoc rate on defense l- last week. 10% of that. 10% of that came from their secondary. I think uh, Tyler Van Dyke is going to have his hands full with a defensive line, defensive front seven, excuse me, I should say that, that is going to be in his face frequently and a secondary that will be more than happy to pick him off. I am taking Texas a and I'm taking Wegman over two, 246 passing yards. Bobby Petrino comes in and makes this team fun. Where I do get worried, and it's hard to tell with only a one-game sample size, the run game – Lacked explosiveness with Devin A. Chain going on to uh, the NFL. So they will have to adjust that moving forward. But I don't really rate Miami's run defense all that high. And uh, if we want to look at composite uh, composite t- overall talent, we know that this Texas A&M team, for years, Miles, has been a talented team. It's yep. just all about coaching. And if Bobby Petrino is the guy to come in and lock that offense – Watch out. I think I think Miami has a chance to get embarrassed at home. Miami's desperate to make this game fun for the fans. They open tailgate early so fans can get in there, get drunk. But it's going to be a quiet stadium, man. I think there's going to be more Texas yeah. A&M fans there than, than Miami fans. And I'll tell you, man, Texas A&M is a sleeping giant right now because one thing that we know as college football fans is that recruiting rankings – always lead most of the time 90% of the time they will yeah. lead to success at some point if you are bringing in number one overall recruiting class top 10 classes that talent will catch look at Penn State over the yeah. last like five years how well that they've been recruiting um it will show up so when you've got a Texas a and team that went five and seven last year you know that there is some positive some turnaround yeah. coming. um it has to Based on the amount of talent that they have on that team. Yeah, I I totally agree, Miles. As always, this was fun. Guys, if you are watching on YouTube, smash the like button. Tell your friends about it. If you are listening in podcast form, be sure to rate and subscribe. For Miles Marquis, I'm Brad Thomas. Best of luck this week.